Well, welcome into the house of God this morning. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about a, a uh, holy day that somebody asked me the other day, as the sermon title has said, so what's the big deal? Right? You, you thought I was just being clever with the sermon title and everything, but somebody came up to me and go, Pentecost, so what's the big deal? And so I spent a little bit of time talking to some people that I've known for years to get their perspective on what was the big deal, too, because, well, I'm, I'm your pastor. I've only been doing this Christian thing for 31 years, and that makes me a beginner, doesn't it? There are people here that have done it longer than me, and so I, I went and talked to some of my experienced friends and talked to them on the phone. And So, so if you were getting this question, what's the big deal? How would you answer it? And some of them said, I get that all the time. So here we go. Chris, this is the third of the three big Christian holy days. And I want to talk to you a little bit about why we have all three of them. But the first one is, do you know what the first big holy day of, of Christians is? Anyone? Christmas? Yeah, Christmas. We need Christmas, and we needed Christmas for one particular reason. We didn't know who God was and how he would be in the world. And so God sent his only son so that whoever should believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. But along the way, as John 1.18 says, God came because nobody has ever seen God except the only son who came and explained him to us, right? We got to see what Jesus was like, and that's what Christmas is about. We saw what God is like because we didn't know him, and we needed to know what God was like, and so that's Christmas. Now, the problem with that is this, that sooner or later, if you spend enough time getting to know what God is like, you will also begin to understand that maybe you're not quite the same as God. Right? If you run up against somebody that is just perfect in every way and does as the as the witness of the gospel is, he does everything well. You will sooner or later figure out that maybe you don't do everything well. And being in up against the presence of God, you will begin to understand that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Easter, then, is the second major holy day of the Christian year because not only did we not know God and he sent him, but as we get to know God, we begin to see that we need assistance and help. And so Easter is the celebration by which God says, yes, I see the barrier between us and I'm getting rid of it because you can't get rid of it. And that barrier is sin or falling short, or however you want to define it, the ways that we are not God, or like God, the ways that we stumble and fall and fall short, be that in the way that we treat each other, treat ourselves, treat God. Easter, then, is the holiday or the holy day that God says, that barrier I'm handling, because you can't. So what, what happens then is that some Christianity is sort of treated, we're just Christmas and Easter Christians. Have you ever heard that terminology, the C&E Christians or the Christers, the people that only come on Christmas and Easter? 
right? They're Christmas and Easter Christians. The problem with being Christian and Easter Christians is that now you've, you've seen what God is like and you've been forgiven, but you still don't have a way to live the life that he's given you and told you that you ought to be living. And the reason you don't have that life is because God's spirit isn't in us helping, which are Christmas and Easter Christians are essentially now in a self-help program. They've forgotten that God is there to also help, and they're just doing it, right? Well, I'll just try to be better. Now that all my sins are forgiven, I'll just be better next time, and when I fail, I'll ask for help again. And so we have Pentecost. Pentecost is the holiday or the holy day from Shavuot, which was the original first fruits, First fruits meaning a harvest holiday that people would harvest the the food and they would bring in and say, God, you have given us this and we recognize that you have given us so much. We want to give back to you. And so if we take this in the first first service, I couldn't remember where this quote was. It's in Ephesians 4, 8, where Paul misquotes the Old Testament. It's the most famous misquote in the Bible. Are you aware of this? It, It says this in the Old Testament, that God led the captives up the hill and they gave gifts to him. Paul in Ephesians 4.8 says, and he led the captives up the hill and gave gifts to them. This is the story of Shavuot or Pentecost, that before his presence, we led him up, he led us up the hill and we gave him gifts. Now, he leads us up the hill of redemption and forgiveness and all that, and then gives us gifts. It's kind of a different economic formula than most of us live under, where we, we have a problem and God takes care of it, and then he leads us up the hill and he gives us a gift. And the gift isn't that some of us would be prophets and some of us would be administrators and some of us would have the gifts of help, although all that happens. Have you ever heard that? That, that now that you've, got the, you've come to Christ and you have to sort of inventory your gifts of the Spirit, have any of you ever been through that? I'm so sorry if you have. I think sometimes the way that we inventory the gifts of the Spirit so we can deploy you just right in, the, in the, just the perfect way, that that's kind of an American Western church thing. It, sort of, it tells God that, well, you made this person, you're in this person, and we can only really use them in this one way. And so we're just going to sit them on the shelf until we can employ that like they're a screwdriver or something like that. But people are not screwdrivers. They're much more than that. More than that, though, the gift is the Spirit in you. Not that you would be a prophet, which is where I tend to lean. Okay? I tend to lean toward prophet. But let me tell you, if you spend much time in the Bible, you will see that the office of the prophet is rarely a gift to the person. Right? What did they do to the prophets in the Old Testament? They cut them in half and they pulled them, <laughs> they killed them, and they, they, they did all sorts of things to prophets. Let me tell you that as somebody that, that tends toward prophecy, the gift of the Spirit is to speak God's word into somebody's life. Not to be a prophet, 
but to be present when God's word is spoken into somebody's life. Wow, that's the coolest thing ever. Let me take that into another gift here. How about the gift of helps? Have you ever met anybody that just helps and helps and helps and helps and helps and all that? Well, the gift of helps isn't you, you stand in the closet going, I have a gift of helps. No, helping people is the gift. And you get to be present when God helps. And the gift of helps is the actual doing of the gift. What about administrator? We have some really gifted administrators in our midst, don't we? Some of you will know them as our financial people and things like that that do that. The gift isn't being an administrator. It's administrating God's way. I was just about to say this. I said this in the first service. In, in, in Pentecost, in the text that David read for us today, didn't, you guys didn't hear Karen do that in the first service and David in the second service. How many of you were glad you didn't have to pronounce all those foreign names? Well done. <laughs> well done. No, you practiced a lot. I have a, by the way, just so you know, if you ever end up there and you say, I can't read because I don't want to give those names, this is my theory. Pretend you know what you're doing is right and go. Nobody else will. And if they argue with you later, bummer for them. (laughs) To be honest, those of us that have taken biblical Greek will hear this, that there are two main theories on pronouncing Greek words, and they disagree with each other, and nobody knows which one's right except for the scholars that teach each one. They know, but they can't convince the others. So here we go. We've got, we've got this Pentecost, this holy day, where there's a great noise in the sanctuary, like a mighty wind, and tongues of flame. And the Holy Spirit comes into their presence when they're all unified and makes them this way. How many of you have had that experience where suddenly there was a little tongue of flame above your head and there was a noise in the sanctuary? Do you know why? Well, because we live in a slightly different time frame than 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 the apostles. Did you know that the apostles started believing and following Jesus before the Holy Spirit was given permanently to people? How many of you were there before Jesus died on the cross? So you didn't start believing before the Holy Spirit was given. So that immediate, that change, that operational procedure where something special was done was more about the time frame of being there before the Holy Spirit was given. And by the way, have you noticed that the disciples were fairly inept Before the Holy Spirit was given, they did all sorts of things that were not particularly awesome, like argued with Jesus over whether or not he could feed 5,000 with just these loaves, and we should send them away. And some of them cut off ears, and some of them jumped out of a boat, and instead of being able to follow his instructions, started to sink. and, And I mean, what did Jesus say? Oh, you of little faith, why didn't you trust me? He didn't say, why didn't you trust yourself? He said, why didn't you trust me? 
Well, the Holy Spirit wasn't in him quite yet. And, and later on, there's, there's all sorts of these super fun activities where Jesus is saying, um, you know, I'm going to have to die. And Peter gets in his face and says, no, it's not going to be that way. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I, I, I just love Peter's ability to put his foot in his mouth and still speak. It's just amazing. Before the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit. But we've got this holy day. Some of us are wearing red, right? If you didn't wear red, it's all good. The Holy Spirit doesn't land on you only if you're wearing red. The Holy Spirit lands on you because you believe in Jesus. But I had some advice in my talking with some of my mentor types about the about Pentecost that I want to share with you because the idea of Pentecost is that you would be on fire for God, right? But how many of you ex- have experienced on fire for God in a way that it should probably never be experienced by anybody? Somebody on fire for God has come up with you and they've raised this thing in this way and they did this. Have you experienced that in your life? I'm so sorry, that's not on fire for God. That is completely outside of the mission that Jesus has given, which is Christmas, right? Nobody knew God at any time, but Jesus, the one and only son who came to show and explain him to us. So Jesus came on earth to be the witness of what God was like. Now, he might have raised his Torah. It wouldn't have been a Bible because they didn't bind him like this. It would have been like double scrolls with these big metal poles up high to the Pharisees and said, why don't you actually read this thing instead of make up your own rules? But he didn't really do it that way either until they pushed him to the nth. What on fire for God should look like, and I hope that you've experienced this somewhere and that maybe everybody around you might experience it, is is in Galatians 5.22. Can you turn in your pew Bible to Galatians 5.22? If uh, you don't know where Galatians is, it's in the New Testament. It's okay. You don't have to remember this. I was given this little acronym. Galatians goes, uh, New Testament goes the... Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then God's Electric Power Company comes right after that. That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God's Electric Power Company. So we're right after 2nd Corinthians. My Bible says that that is page 180. I know that it is not 180 in every red book in here. If it's a red one, it's probably 176 or something. 179 of the New Testament. I find this really handy that the Old Testament is numbered one to whatever and the New Testament is numbered one to whatever. So if I say 180, don't go to the Old Testament section. Okay, have you got it? Galatians 5.22. This is what Pentecost should be like. I don't want to go, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on the gifts of the Spirit. I want to spend a bunch of time on the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, have you got it? As I read this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against this, there is no there is no law against these behaviors. What is going on? Why are these the gifts of the Spirit? Well, John three, John seven thirty seven says this: that Jesus says, "All who come to me and believe in me will have rivers of living water come out of their spirits." Rivers of living water. What does it feel like and what does it look like to be on fire for God? If God's alive in your life, the fruit of the Spirit, because he's the gift, is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you ever run into somebody that just exudes these things? Like there's rivers of living water just bubbling out of them and, and, and you just want to be near them? Do you remember a time in your life when you saw somebody like this and you go, wow, they're different. I remember the first time I ran up against somebody like that and I understood enough and I wasn't enough of a problem that, that I could pay attention for long enough because I was one of those. And I thought, wow, that's different. I don't know what that's about, but I want to figure it out. Because discipleship is not something you can teach necessarily. It's something that's caught. Not like a virus, but like an, like an excitement. When you're around somebody that, that's excited for God and you start to go, ooh, I kind of like to be excited about that. That's the Holy Spirit working in your soul like this. What is it? Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control the fruit of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is alive in you. That's what Pentecost is about, that the God has said, yes, you didn't know who I was, so I did everything necessary to tell you who I was, and then you found out that you couldn't figure out how to be like me, and so I covered the difficulty with Easter, but I didn't leave you in a self-help program. I left you in a place where the Holy Spirit, my, my own spirit will dwell inside you and give you power to live this life. Wow. Do you, I, I just feel all tingly all over just talking about it. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and I hope that as we go through life, that we, we become a place where deserts turn into little oases. Because we have rivers of living water just flowing out of us. That's what it means to be alive to God, to be on fire for God. It doesn't mean go around and damn everybody to hell. That's not the witness. It doesn't match the witness of Jesus. The witness of Jesus is, is that we needed help. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, that, but that all should come to everlasting life. The difference between that and, and sending people there is that he's saying, stop, don't go there. You're not going to like it. Stop it. Let me help. I'll help. Here, you've got a barrier you can't cross. Let me cross that for you. Oh, and by the way, once you get across that barrier, you're going to need some help living this life. Let me help that too. Does that sound like good news to you? Have you met this person? Have you met anybody in your life? Just a don't just an interior raise the hand of your heart if you've run into into anybody that had rivers of living water just bubbling out of them, just inside your heart. Do you have that? Did you catch on? Because the gifts, let me, 
that's even bigger than this. Did you know that that is the original growth plan for the church? It wasn't that we should all go out and get married and have kids and then bring them into Sunday school and that would cause the church to grow. The original growth plan from God of the church is this, that everywhere we'd go, we'd be such a blessing. People would fall in love with that and they'd catch the fire and they'd go, I want to be like that. Or what's so different about them? How did that happen? And then they would actually sometimes get married and have kids and bring them too, right? I'm not discounting getting married and having kids and bringing them to church. That's a good thing. But it was not the growth plan of the church. The growth plan of the church was this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. If we could live that life, not just in this building, because that's all this is, right? The church is all the people. But if we could live that life in our community, do you realize that rivers of living water, that deserts would become streams and oases, and God would be alive, not just in this building, but in every building that we're connected to? Wouldn't you like your house to be that way? a place where rivers of living water just flow out of it? What about your workplace? Wouldn't that be cool? And people would start going around, well, you know, he's a little different than everybody else, but we just can't stay away. We just want to be near because something's going on there. We don't know what it is, but we're interested. And then that love of God is caught. And there'd be a noise in the sanctuary. And there'd be flames over our heads. Well, not really, because we don't really need them. You know, it's, it's really quite a blessing that God didn't turn us all blue or red when we came to Christ so that everybody could pick us out. What he said is, I'm going to make them different. They're going to become my people a people after my name who, who I'm going to rest my reputation on. I'm going to let them represent me, and they're going to be streams of living water wherever they go. That's Pentecost. That's what it's about. I'm going to stop right here. But I want to make sure that you know that if, if you... If you want to talk to me about that, if you want to be prayed about, prayed with or prayed for about that, I want to make myself available to you for a little bit of time after the service. I'm also available at any time you call. If you have somebody in your life that is already river, a river of living water and you want to know more about that, then go pray with them. It doesn't have to be me. Do you know why? Because the gift of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Is God alive in us? And it doesn't just say, well, just the pastor has that. Well, just the pastor doesn't have that. I've met people in this room that have that. A friend of mine used to say it this way. We really like each other. The Jesus in me really likes the Jesus in you. That's what the unity of the Spirit is about. That we would all be different 
and yet still streams of living water wherever we go. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Pentecost and what it means, what it means to have you alive and at work inside us. I thank you so much that you didn't leave me in charge because I would blow it. So I thank you for that. May we bubble and percolate. For some people, it will be like somebody just pulled the blinds open and others one slat at a time. It's okay. 